Welcome to Casting Nets podcast. This is a podcast about living faith and uh, following in our footsteps of our Savior, especially as we're coming down to Holy Week here. Uh, what a what a wonderful opportunity for us to gather here today. I am joined here with um, my brother in the ministry and um, probably all time more uh, uh, handsome counterpart in the ministry, uh, Pastor Dave Rudat. I'm Pastor Will Harley. We welcome you to the show. We are on our way uh, going through the book of James, and we are tackling chapter four today. So um, if you have taken the time to open up your Bible, take a look at uh, James, you'll notice that uh, there's only five chapters. So we're, we're almost done with the book of James. Yeah, they are getting short, and they are getting very... Um full on application Uh, lots of things to talk about lots of miscellaneous it seems like he is uh, doing a lot of oh I want to talk about this and I want to talk about this before I go uh, in the book of James but all really good stuff as we dive into the book of James and as we do so it's a reminder to us that as we're having this you get to be in on a conversation between two pastors that we both have uh, looked at the book of James independently we both had bible classes on the book of James independently and we said hey let's just get together and share some of our thoughts some of the highlights of our bible class studies as we studied together studied independently now we'll study it together and so as we do so maybe we'll just share some things off the cuff and uh, we are willing to be guided by the scriptures and uh, we hold ourselves to those those confessions of the lutheran church as well so in doing so we may say things that don't represent our church bodies or us even um, as we're just thinking out loud we're just having a conversation so if there's something that you hear us say um, and you don't like what we have to say it triggers you in some way shape or form feel free to reach out to us this is meant to be a beginning of a conversation and not the end so reach out to us in person at uh, Emmanuel and Shirley that would be for me and also at St. John and Maribel that would be Will Harley you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. Reach us on Facebook. Message us on Facebook as well. And if this is something you do like, you are you have our permission. You have my permission, at least, to share this with your friends. Uh, give us a like on the Facebook. Um, subscribe. If you are on YouTube, uh, hit the little bell on YouTube as well so that you know when the next video is coming. And also, you can give us four stars, not five stars. If we give if you give us five stars, we will. Um, well, Will Harley's head will get too big. Unless you want his head to get a little bit bigger, then go ahead and give him five stars. But otherwise, <laughs> give us four stars and helps the algorithms reach this content to other videos. So thank you uh, for doing that. Let's begin.
James chapter 4 is where we're headed. Um, if you have your Bible, I would recommend grabbing it. Uh, we do put it up on the page, and so we'll have an opportunity to, to do that as well. Um, but what we would like to share with you um, are, of course, some of our thoughts, and some of our uh, ideas as we have gone through and some of the things that we have studied and maybe have encountered. Um, as we deal with chapter 4, remember where we sort of have gone and, or where we have come from. And we are, um, we're coming, we're wrapped up in this sermon, this letter, uh, however you want to approach it, that James is giving. And, and we're focused on not how do we become a Christian, but we're really focused on what is um, given to us as God works in our heart through the means of grace, through the Holy Spirit, and he makes us a Christian, what flows from it? Um, and so as we are going through this, we do want to be very, very clear we aren't, we're not saying do these things and then you'll be saved. That That's never what, what James is saying. He's saying these are things that flow from faith and, and kind of the markers of what we're looking for, kind of the markers of actions in life of, of this is a faithful heart. This is one that's been, been found in Christ. All right. So we had some microphone issues with me and I agree with everything Will said. I was doing two things at once, which is really hard for me to do, which is trying to figure out the uh, audio for myself. So if you could give me a, a wave to make sure that the it, it's a lot better now. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so you were right, Will. It was me. Um, let's put this on record. Will was as soon as I came on, he said, "You're sounding echoey," and I said, "No, it's you, Will. It's your problem. I I sound just fine. Everything sounds fine here." And then um, after my uh, Rachel Kreitz made a comment, I looked under under my settings, and it was actually pulling audio from a room mic instead of. Me. So anyway, there we go. Let's get back to where why we're here. Uh, James chapter 4. And uh, as we do so, uh, it, we're reading from the EHV Bible. And it goes, and it begins like this. Where do conflicts and quarrels among you come from? Don't they come from your cravings for pleasure, which are at war with parts of your body? You want something, but you do not get it, so you murder. You desire something that you cannot obtain it, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. You, you ask, and yet you do not receive because you ask wrongly so that you may spend it on what gives you pleasure. Shall we uh, start there? Yeah, let's pause there and... and we have we have a lot of things that are kind of going on that he he kind of blends together um and and, and the first is he he just asks this question that it almost seems like a, a rhetorical question where he says you know where where is the conflicts where are the quarrels where is, where are these coming from um what he's trying to do is is it's a very um sermonic way uh we would say this is a homiletical uh tactic um, but when we would say homiletics, people would be like, I don't know what you're talking sermonizing. about. Um, we're talking about homilies, sermonizing. Yeah. This is the this is the way that um James is is really engaging the listeners to start thinking deeper into who they are as a person and, and who they are as a sinner before a righteous God. And and so what he does is he asks these questions. He's like, he's like, okay. So we have people here who might not think they're a sinner. They they think that everything I've said so far they do. 
These are, these are things that I engage in. I must be this great and glorious Christian. And then he says, okay, so let me ask you this. The conflicts, the quarreling, where do they come from? How, how does this happen? Why is there murder in our societies? You know, why, why are there wars um, that, that are a part of what's going on? Um, and the answer to that is, is there's a problem deep down, right? And so he's leading us uh, in, in a sermonizing way. He's leading us to start thinking, yeah, why, why are these things here? What is happening? What is going on? Um, what is the cause of that? And, he does, and then he gives you an answer. Yeah, go ahead. And he gives you the answer. Yeah, it comes from, from the heart. Um, I, we did have a, a conversation in Bible class about murder. Does he mean actual murderers or is it just in Jesus uh, using very much a Jesus-ism of when Jesus says, if you hate anyone who hates his brother is a murderer? You know, I, I had that conversation in our Bible study as well, and, and it kind of came down uh, to, is there a difference? Yeah, if I want, right, yeah. if I want something and someone doesn't give it to me and I hate them because they didn't give it to me, it, it doesn't matter because essentially what is hate? Hate is, is, is I no longer view them as a part of the world. I no longer view them as, as someone who, who I would even cross the street to help. Um, so if that's how I'm approaching them because they didn't do what I wanted them to do, then, then the issue is very simply we have we have a problem and and the problem is i have murdered them in my heart so it doesn't matter if you've gone out and actually killed them although we were going through in 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 um what was it um chapel the other day uh acts uh chapter i want to say chapter 23 it was was it 23 yeah acts 23 and you have um a contingency of of um religious men who were fighting and, and trying to go and kill Paul uh, because they, they weren't getting the answers and they weren't being treated the way they felt like they were being treated. So 40 of them tried to lay in wait to go kill Paul. Um, it wasn't outside of the realm of possibility during this time that they people people thought it was very religious to fight for what you wanted and, and to do the things like taking a life. Um, the Crusades are another really good example of uh, people using religious things to condone some of the worst atrocities. So. And yeah, I thank you for that. Um, it is, it really, what doesn't matter whether it's actual murdering or um, hatred in the heart because it's both. And in your acknowledgement that uh, Christians can, are capable of murder. They're capable of doing terrible things to each other. Uh, they're capable of conspiring to get a pastor out of their congregation um, because they don't like the things that he has to say. They're capable of uh, ostracizing and putting somebody out because of something that they have done and it is not a Christian way. It, it's because they, some right needs to be wronged. And uh, so James is, is reminding us, don't be like the world. The world operates this way. The world uh, takes people out that it doesn't like. And today, um, this week, obviously we're, we're reminded of that with the shooting on the East Coast where you have uh, a, a someone who attended a Christian school but then now identifies as a different gender coming back and doing violence on that school because this is all part of their, they're, they're going to try to stop this school from operating. It's some sort of 
manifesto. I, I haven't read the manifesto. I don't know if we've right. seen the red manifesto yet, but just that this is how the world operates. It's when they don't get their way, they become violent. And it's not oh. just it's not just somebody who has a, 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 struggling with a gender identity. It's just this is all over the place. This is in our inner cities. This is in our um, in Hollywood. If you don't get your if you want your way, you become violent in some way. You want to push push someone out. Well, and I guess I have two additional comments to follow down with that. The first is this is nothing new. I mean, Cain and Abel. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Cain, Cain, you know, didn't like the fact that that giving the dredges of what he what God had per- given to him to produce from the land uh, wasn't wasn't a good use of God's gifts. Um, and so instead of instead of looking at his brother and saying, you know, I could learn a lot from his thankful heart, I'm just going to remove his thankful heart um, so that I don't feel guilty for it. So I mean, it, it's. It, it, that hasn't changed, but I, I also think that it, it it bears mentioning that this is a this is something that that is an active battle. When we when when Paul will talk in his letter uh, of Romans about this this fight between the uh, new man and the, the sinful nature that is within us, we call it the simul. Um, that this fight between these two spirits, uh, one that that desires to do only what I think is right and what I feel is right and what I want to do because it makes me happy, and the desire then to do what is good and God-pleasing in this world. As Christians, when we fight against this thing, it's happening all the time because there's never a moment when you get everything you want. There, 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 it just doesn't happen in this world. Um, you know, Apples don't fall from the perfect tree that you can pick up and eat, and then your life is great and grand and glorious. So I wake up in the morning, and 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 what I desire my children to be, they aren't. And so, do do I have the right to lash out irrationally? Do I have the right to yell and scream and kick? Do I have the right to to um, discipline because what they are doing I don't agree with? Well, there may be a time where discipline is needed, maybe a time because what they're doing is wrong, but how often is what they're doing not wrong? It's just wrong to me because I don't like it. Does that give me the okay? And and I think as parents of children, especially as pastors, especially, but as Christians, we are in a rare position where one of the gifts of the Holy spirit is self-control. That's a gift of the, why do you think it's a gift of the Holy spirit? Because there's going to be times more than you think where you're not going to get your way. You're not going to get what you th- you feel you want or should have or whatever the case may be. And y- you are now given the gift to control yourself. You know, put on the big boy pants, big girl pants, depending um, if if the big girl wears a skirt, wear, whatever. I mean, and if you're a guy, wear a kilt. I, I don't care. <laughs> but but gird yourself and say, you know, there I, I as a Christian, I'm a responsible person. That, that can think beyond my own desires by the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and the strength of Christ. And that's really, I mean, James is leading us down this road. Yeah. Um, and even if you are, because you are claiming to be a Christian, you ask God, you're, you're still not checking your own desires because you are asking God for things for only for you. They're not, you're not praying uh, for your neighbor or for the betterment of the community that you're in, but you're only praying just for yourself. Well, isn't that what he's saying when he says, you, you know, you don't 
you don't have because you didn't ask and, and you, you didn't receive because you asked wrongly. <laughs> um, th- there is some truth to that. And, and I think we should explain a little bit about, cause that, that opens up the door to prayer, right? What is the purpose and point of prayer? And, and so I think we probably should take a little bit of time and say, what does he mean by asking wrongly first? Um, what does he mean by asking in general? And, and then maybe we can wrap it up by saying, and not wrap up the whole text, but wrap up that section by saying, what is prayer supposed to be? So prayer is a communication with God, and uh, you are revealing your heart to him, um, but it isn't a, isn't a, um, a magic trick, or it isn't a manipulation of God. You're not twisting God's arm to get what you want. Uh, you are asking God. God knows what you need. That uh, Jesus knows. I uh, had that reference when he says he knows the birds of the air, and he takes care of your heavenly Father is what Jesus was talking about. The birds of the air, your heavenly Father knows them. And he takes care of the birds. He knows what you need, but but pray anyway. And uh, so praying wrongly would be just that whole selfish nature of our prayers that we're praying just for ourselves. What gives us pleasure? That's what James quantifies it as. It is not James saying, well, you have to pray the right way, and then God, like the prayer of Jabez kind of thing. you got to use the right formula when you pray, and God will answer. It's about the heart, not the words, not the thoughts. It's the, the heart of, of the individual, a heart that says, I'm a sinner. Uh, I often want things that are selfish. Lord, help me to uh, put put down my sinful nature. I'm sorry for the times I have um prayed only for myself and only for me but here you're you're my heavenly father i can talk about my needs anyway Uh, yeah i don't have a perfect answer for that question but i my rambling answer is that one well and and you know i always would tell my confirmation students because they would usually maybe not as well thought out in your ramblings um when i ask the confirmation kids but usually they will end up saying well this is our communication to to god this is our our heavenly father we could talk with him and one of the things i always remind them is it's also an act of worship that 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 this is why are we coming to him because he is almighty because he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, he knows and, and does and can do all things. And so we bring things to him because he is able to do. If he wasn't able to do it, why would we bring it to him? You don't ask dad to do something that mom can do. You ask mom. <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't, I, I always use the example in confirmation class. You don't go, if your house is on fire, you don't go to an ambulance. You don't go go to the hospital and say, can you help me? Can you help me? You go to a fire department. Why? Because the fire department can do something. And so we come to our Lord. This is our act of worship. This is what flows from faith. We come to our Lord. And, and what happens in prayer is, and like you said, we do bring ourselves. We, we, we bring our, our problems, our baggage, our, our, and we lay them at his, at his feet. And, and then what the Lord does is he brings us in line with his will, Right. He, he brings us in line with what he desires for our life and how he desires it to be. Um, so it, it is a, it, it, prayer is a, an awesome thing. And the prayer of a righteous man is, is powerful indeed, which we're going to find out. Um, but why? Because of the person who receives them is powerful, not because we have done it, which I think, speak, can, we, can we say this now or we'd offend a ton of people if we talk about the reformed? Is 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 that a not? Is that a no? We, Are you we asking talk? my permission? You've never asked your, my permission to talk. About I know. I, I thought that I would try something new. Um, 
Go ahead. I think we've talked about the reform before on this podcast. I know, but I sort of have thrown it in there, you know, un, undesired and unwanted. Now I'm just asking. <laughs> See, I, I, th- I think sometimes, and, and maybe they might not say it in so many words, um, but in the reformed in the reformed line of thought, in, in, in churches that are not of the Lutheran persuasion, um, and maybe not even of the Catholic persuasion necessarily, um, they have this tendency to view prayer as a almost like a sacrament. It, it is not, I mean, they don't really necessarily believe in the sacraments, but they view it as, as this is, this is our way that, that we have like some type of a control over what goes on in our life. And, and that if we pray hard enough, if we pray fervent enough, then all the, th- all these things will flow to us. Um, and, and so it, it, it kind of takes, like you said, that mystical, kind of thing well did you pray hard enough did you do it right did you did you say the right things um did you include the right point uh, the, the the right points and and i think you, you follow that down the road and you have these things like prayer warriors these people who who spend their uh, i'm not saying that praying for other people is bad but they spend all this time where it's like they have these formalized prayers and 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 they they pray for this person and 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 and then what happens when it doesn't work or or what what they prayed for doesn't happen um you have these huge upswings and downswings in in because they're like well i asked for it i must not have asked the right way um and that's not what's being said it's just the reality of it's god's will bringing being brought in line with what god desires to see in my life and in the life of other people that's that's a part of prayer um, and now I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to ask, be more selfish, but, but God is going to correct that too. And, and that's okay. Uh, it's just a rambling. Anyway. I do like uh, how Lutherans look at prayer through grace and, you know, um, God and justification first, you know, God wants me to have my sins forgiven. That's the main thing. He wants me to be with him in heaven forever. And so he creates faith in me that believes in Jesus and he wants me to get there. And uh, reformed would come from, even in something like prayer, would come from so- the sovereignty of God. God can do whatever he wants. So if we just pray to him the right way or if we have the right faith, then we'll, we'll get healing because that's all that matters is that God is powerful. Let's, t- let's address things through that nature, th- that lens, rather than the lens of God wants us to be saved. God wants us to be in heaven. God wants our sins to be forgiven that's that's where that's where he starts and everything else kind of is secondary it 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 is also there but not the focus and well and god wants us to live for other people i mean he wants us to to live in the world for others and to share our faith with them yeah yeah and and it does it, it becomes a secondary nature and and just as a comment to some of the comments that are coming up on the screen um first of all yes children do ask dads for some things and usually it's for whatever mom said no to um and second <laughs> um and second um um i would say just as a snarky comment um you have not been praying to the right person that's what they think if if they haven't answered your prayers, right? Uh, the question was, <clears throat> you know, sometimes they say, well, all my health issues haven't gone away because I haven't prayed right. Well, they would probably say you haven't prayed to the right right person. So. What do you mean by that? 
Um, <clears throat> interestingly enough, in a lot of reform circles, they they dif differentiate between who do you direct your prayers to. Sometimes they'll direct it to uh, God the Father. Sometimes they direct it to Jesus. Sometimes they direct it to the Holy Spirit. And so, if you haven't prayed, if you haven't gotten what you needed, you've you've prayed to the wrong one. Oh, okay. as if they're divided. <laughs> as if they're divided. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as if as if this is a uh, <laughs> two parent relationship. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I just I I always come across. It always seems to me like they would. It was all your fault. Like your faith isn't strong enough when you pray, and because if you really prayed with a fervent f faith, then God would do whatever you ask. Then because God is sovereign, and instead of God wants you to be saved, and God wants you to be have your sins forgiven. Your soul is important to Him more than shall we say having all kinds of physical blessings here on this earth. Because he's going to talk about physical blessings on this earth. Jesus even, even also said that physical blessings here on earth can sometimes be detrimental to your faith. Can Can I just ask a, and maybe it sounds like a stupid question, but when we say physical blessings on this earth, we, are, are we painting in today's society with a far too wide of a brush? When, when we say that, as to what the scriptures kind of mean by the physical blessings? Because isn't it, isn't it Paul who says, if you had food and shelter, you have enough? Daily bread. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, are we painting with, maybe our problem is that we paint with a far too wide of a brush to say that, that the physical blessings that my, my, my Heavenly Father promises to me are the new big screen TV and the, the, the two cars and the third car on the way from my kid who can drive soon and the house with the white picket fence and the two and a half children. Um, and, the uh, you know, the list can go on and on and on and on and on of all, you know, the vacations that we get to take and the, well, and, and really, and, and, and is that, is that a bad question to ask if we're painting with too wide of a brush? I think, well, the confessions in the first article of the Apostles' Creed, we say all that I need to keep my body in life, which is probably a lot less than what people think is. But we do have that long list, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, cattle, all I own, all I need to keep my body in life again. Life. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what you were saying was God providing for us doesn't necessarily mean a four-bedroom house or um, health that is great our whole lives. Or vacation. I just, or the new car. Yeah. Can I just share? This last week I had um, a funeral for an MLHS classmate of mine, and I didn't know him that well, um, but he and I were in football together. He was always the one where uh, when we were, we were both linemen, so I always ran at his pace, and then when I figured out I actually can run faster than him, then, there was, then, it, then the rivalry started because I could run faster than he was, and we never really get, were close when we were at high school level. But the last two and a half years, he had he's fought with cancer, and his pastor came and visited him and and, and shared with me um, his great faith at the very end. And I, I I I can't help but think that the at what James is talking about and kind of encapsulating our conversation on prayer, the things that we pray for. God really wants us to be with him in heaven. That's what matters, not necessarily that we get all of these blessings in, in life. Um, this individual didn't have, he didn't have a family, didn't have a wife, didn't leave behind kids, 
Uh, he was single all his life, and he struggled with this cancer for the last um, two and a half years. But he's in heaven. Oh. And so we go, yes. that's a victory. That's awesome. He's in heaven. And there still is a part of us, our American side of us, that says, yeah, but he didn't have those things. He didn't have this, and he didn't right. have that. Well, but isn't that the ultimate blessing? The ultimate blessing is 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 the treasure stored up for us there. Um, so yeah, I, I would agree with you. The ultimate blessing is is here's our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for you, ultimately. Um, but I think sometimes we paint it with that wider brush. We need all those other things for that to matter. Mm-hmm. And that that's not true. It's just not true. All Let's right, can we move on? Yeah, yeah. I'm ready. Is everyone else ready? I don't know. We've talked for like almost a half hour on just three verses. <laughs> three verses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a conversation to pastors. Where it's like we a don't, sermon. It's, no, it is not like a sermon. I've heard we you actually sermons. have a point like to a our sermons. Hour. We want to like we want we're try, we're driving to Jesus, and yeah, we're driving to Jesus, but we're taking our time. We're looking at the sights along the way. Okay, so verse four of chapter four. Adulterers, don't you know that friendship with the world means hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you know, think that scripture has no reason for saying that the spirit who lives in us yearns jealously? But he gives greater grace. That is why it says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be changed into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So right off the bat, adulterers title. So it goes back to that other question we had about, is he actually talking about real adulterers, or is he just talking about those who are unfaithful to their true spiritual love, which is Christ? Yeah, I I think... Where he kind of um, brings this, he he's talking about that relationship with with Christ, um, and he he kind of um, he uses the word adulterers instead of idolaters because I, I think he wants to he wants to bring up that there is that that our relationship and our walk with our Lord is far more personal than our relationship to an idol. Our, our relationship to our Lord is far more personal, and and you could go back into the scriptures. You could go back to to Isaiah fifty four, and and many times where where God claims His people were adulterers. Now they were adulterers in their idol worship, but they were adulterers because they were stepping out on that relationship. God, um, through His Son, says that our relationship with Him is is as a uh, groom and a bride. Um, we are the church. We are we are Christ's bride. So this is a rela- uh, this is a married relationship, uh, one of spiritual care, love, and and consideration. And, and so the Lord says, "No, this is this is you have cheated on me. I mean, you you've cheated on me. Um, anytime you have walked out on me, this is you've cheated. This this is some powerful words. Because um, I don't think idols, if you would say idol worship, idolaters would really have the same punch. I, I really don't. Yeah, he does build on that friendship with the world, hostility to God. I mean, you're not a friend with me, so that relationship is gone. The spirit within us yearns jealously, and we, and perhaps our listeners need to have that 
conversation again. What does it mean to be that God is jealous? Uh, that this is God has every right to claim us as his own. And, and if we are, like you say, walking out on him, doing other things, having our focus on other things other than him, or um, following the way of the world rather than the way that God has put to us in his word, then God is saying, hey, you're mine. What are you doing? Why are you cheating on me uh, by doing yeah. that? And it also, I think, brings up just a side comment. You know, I think we we hear the word jealousy and we automatically go to bad places. We we hear that word jealousy and we're like, oh, it's bad. You know, it's bad that anybody, they should be trusting and they should be, you should never be jealous. And, 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 and there are some respects, I would say you're right. I mean, if you have a spouse who is so petrified of you leaving the house because you might be looking at someone else, first of all, I think you need counseling. And, and we will get you in contact with a healthy counselor who will help you work through some of these things because, because I think you've got some big problems either in your relationship or, or in your conception of what a relationship should be. But recognizing, when it comes down to our Lord especially, we recognize he knows us. He, he knows our tendencies. He knows exactly where we came from and what we gravitate back to. And, and he has every reason to be jealous because it's not an, an, an unhealthy jealousy where he wants to keep us from the world or that he wants to keep us from, from um, community or he wants to keep us from joys and, 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 and living life. It is a jealousy that says, I want to give you all of those things. I want you to live in all of those things and where you're going is going to do nothing but hurt you. And, and so it is the jealousy to reclaim that which was lost. It is the, it's the jealousy that says, I will never give up on pursuing this because you are worth it to me and because I want you to be with me. It's a totally different type of jealousy than I think we associate in life mm-hmm. and, and the way that we treat sometimes that word jealousy. So I, I that's I, I just like to, to bring, because some people hear that word and they're like, ah, oh, God's jealous? That's That's horrible. You know, he doesn't want me to leave the fence. All I can do is look out and, and see everyone else having fun. He doesn't want me to have fun. No, he does. He he wants you to live an adventure and have life, but in do him. so with him. <laughs> in him, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is which re- reveals to us this whole idea of an individual who is straying is their heart is really one that is not humbly accepting or humbly living under God and his word. And we see that in our sinful nature and ourselves for sure. It's also as we are caring for those around us or caring those whom God has placed under our care, we acknowledge that people that are straying, our heart reaches out to them. We want them to be back. But you also have to have that acknowledgement that those who stray from God's word are really are not humble. They're, they're saying, no, my way is the, the way. And and not to say that we have to beat them down or beat them down. I mean that not in a physical beating them down, but you know, sharing the law with them. It's the recognition that as Christians, we do have to speak the law. We do have to remind people that if you are living a different way than what God has put in place, if you aren't, um, a, um, and those those kinds of things, this is not a. a there is a. Uh, repentance that needs to happen, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And that's James' way of talking about repentance, is talking about being humble and submitting yourselves under to God. 
and um, resisting the devil and drawing near to God. I agree. I, I, I think that is the struggle. And, and we have that, that played out. And our sinful nature wants to go back to it because it thinks it's free when it rebels. Um, yeah. Or that it's smart. It's more enlightened. Yeah. Uh, we got things figured out. Oh, you church people, you, you, know, you don't know what it's like. Da 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 da. I'm I'm smart. I can I can handle the I can handle the electric fence, and and, right. and not get get fried. But you guys probably can't. But I can because of whatever my brains and and wisdom. which is interesting because I think you know it's it's interesting. We build buildings and you know I just think of building schools and we build schools and we put playgrounds in and we're like the law says you got to fence them. Why? So that the kids can have fun and play. <laughs> <laughs> we need to imprison them so that they can have fun. But 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 you know, my dad used to say, "Fences make good neighbors." Why? Be- because you know the bounds to which you can be free. You know the bounds to which you can you can rightly live in the world that God has given to you. Um, and and there is truth to all of those things. You know, um, even people who rebel and when and sin in its basic definition is lawlessness. Um, but even the sinner who who embraces lawlessness only wants lawlessness for themselves. They want everybody else to follow the laws so that they, they feel better. Right. Um, the law must apply to them, but not to me. Um, and so we still want that hedge. We just want to, like you said, maintain that hedge for ourselves, and, and, and say where it is and where it isn't. I want to, I want to move on just a little bit. Cause you, you also read, um, you know, uh, verse seven and, and down through uh, verse 10. And, and, and there's a lot packed in here, but I want to, can, can we talk about that first word submit? Because I, I think sometimes we approach these things and when we hear this word submit, we instantly, the, the hackles go about on the back of your head and uh, back of your neck. Hackles. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm, I'm forced into something um, or, or I have to now apply myself somewhere. And this is this is a beautiful word. Um, this word comes up in in the marriage rite. This word comes up in the blessings of Ephesians, uh, where the Lord uh, not only says for all believers to submit themselves to Christ, um, but but also for the wife to submit herself to her husband. Um, and and usually the women are like, I don't want to do that. This is bad stuff. I think we need to say first and foremost. The, every English translation does a very poor job of translating this because the word is always found in its passive form. <laughs> this, is a, this is a passive idea. Be submitted. It sounds really funny when we say it in English, doesn't it? Be submitted. What does that mean? I'm forced to it. No, what it means is, and, and I, have the right, I have the definition written here, so I have to read it because it's just beautiful. Um, so I went into... Yes, I'm stupid. I go to theological dictionaries and I look up all the little fancy that words. That doesn't make you stupid. Here is. Well, okay, it makes me smarter than the average bear. Um, so it says, uh, ubotasso is the word. And it says, in its most literal and beautiful translation, it says, to be brought into obedience of an ordered structure, especially a structure where respect is owed. How awesome is that? And it is it is a passive word that means to be brought into. It, it is not something where it is a slavery. It is not something where it's beaten into you. It's not something where it's, it's laborious. It is the welcoming of being brought into a structured, ordered, non-chaotic, beautiful type of, of, of arrangement. 
But we've taken that word and we've messed with it so much that it, it makes this, it, it almost sounds horrible to even say it because we get these bad connotations and flavors in our mouth when we say the word submit. And, and the Lord's not intending that at all. He's saying, be submitted, be brought into this ordered structure where you can thrive. Yeah. Where, yes, respect is given to those who deserve respect because of the positions they have. But this is the order. This is the, the and, and it, everywhere it's used, that's the word. And, and it's a beautiful word. We submit ourselves to so many things and we don't realize it. So that when it comes to marriage, we go, oh, wait a minute. We don't, we never submit. I never do that. Well, you go to Costco and they say, you got to show the card in order to come in. Well, you're submitting yourself to their rules. Or, um, <clears throat> so the, the, the uh, I want to use the the speed limit one, but people struggle with the speed limit one. But the government puts down orders, and this is how you're supposed to build a road. This is how you're supposed to build a house. And build your house this way. Here are the you can chafe under all of the regulations, but with that structure, there's freedom. With that structure, there is um, blessing. Um, blessing maybe not be the right word, but there's good things that happens to you because if you build a house to, to code, it's not going to fall apart or start on fire. If you run into Costco and you and you don't use the card, uh, well, then you don't get to purchase the items at, at a cheaper price. So we are submitting in our government and in our society a lot more than we realize. It's, but if we understand that that submission is put, you know placing ourselves under something, that's something that's happening to us, because it, it's for our benefit, for our good, because it, what, what we're submitting ourselves under is something that does of benefit to us. So as husbands and wives work together, wives submitting to their husbands, the husband, in, in their turn, they don't rule over their hus- their wives, but are doing everything for the betterment of their wife. Um, they're, they're thinking about what's best for her. Uh, this arrangement, if the husband is doing his job, isn't hard and isn't difficult for the wife to submit and place herself under. Well, and I think in this in, in in this respect, you know, be be brought into submission under God. I mean, this is this is the one who can do all and has done and continues to work for all. And and so what happens? You you are brought into this submission where where here's the order. There is God. There there is the Lord of all, and and He blesses you. Um, and like you said, we we do this all over in our world. Um, children submit to your parents, right? Uh, be brought into the order of that hierarchy for what reason? Um, so that the house is peaceful, so that there is there is learning that takes place, and there's care that is given, and there is uh, all these things that flow from that. And and this is just the the wonder of what you get when 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 we understand that this is not a this is not a horrible word. This is not a word that 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 I know the world wants to to turn it and contort it and make it just, but it's not, this is, this is a beautiful, beautiful opportunity for people to, to serve one another in this ordered place and that we allow them to do that um, as we are brought into this. Um, But then it goes on, right? Um, So he goes on from not just being brought into that orderedness of, of being submitted to God, but then as one of the blessings of it, of that submission, being the blessing of being in this order, you get to resist the devil, right? You, you get to do that. Um, I like that. I uh, only think of before. I, go ahead. No, I was just going to say before faith, before I couldn't resist him. Now I can. There's a scene in the Chosen uh, series where Jesus says, I give you power to uh, drive out 
demons and perform miracles. And the disciples are like, what? Just like that? <laughs> like, yeah, just like that. I just, I just gave it to you. I spoke the words and now here you have it. <laughs> and they're like, Whoa. wait, there wasn't some ceremony. Yeah, the, the power comes from us. <laughs> <laughs> He spoke the words and, and it was, it was, it was really neat how he did it where it was just, just it was just Jesus speaking. There wasn't like the music wasn't playing. There wasn't light. There wasn't any lighting thing. There was just so heaven didn't break open an angelic. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Um, that power to resist. I think I like the idea of resisting the devil. Picture is is not the picture of you can slay the devil because you that's not who you are. That's not what you can do. Jesus did that, but we can resist him. We can think of Joseph running away from Potiphar's wife. Well, we think of uh, Christians who are 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 in the midst of friends who want to do the bad thing, and they just say, "No, I'm not going to do drugs, or I'm not going to go drinking. I'm going to I'm going to go home." Um, resisting that urge, even though they want to, um, even though they want to engage in all these things, even though they have that sinful desire within them, they have the power, the new person inside of them, to say, "No, I'm going to uh, resist that." Well, and that's that's the beautiful part that you get as a member of God's kingdom. Um, he opens up the gates. He opens up his strength, the storehouse of what he he then gives to you, and and you can do these things. Um, going down that list, though, um, you have some things where, and, and I think this is where we sometimes confuse James, right? Because they're like, look at all the things I have to do. Um, and once again, he's re- referencing these are things you get to do, and now are empowered to do. So. So we have been submitted. That's the passive one. We talked about that. You get then to resist. Um, so that is a gift given to you to resist. And so he's calling it into use. Um, as as God calls it into use, he gives you the ability to do it. Um, you can cast out demons. When? Now. <laughs> like, now? Now. Why? Because I said so. <laughs> um, so then he says, come near. So so I, wait, like, I, I can I can approach God now? Yes. Why? Because he said so. It's it's like the king standing that's saying, come near. I've now given you permission. The gates are open. You can come. Like, I can walk right up there. Yes, because I said come. <laughs> um, um, I couldn't before. Now I can. And so these aren't things that I have to do. I get to do them. Um, but here's the question that I have. What does it mean, the statement, come near to God and he will come near to you? It almost looks like there's a give and a take. What do you what do you say about that? I think it's just uh, he's he's pairing the um, the cause and effect, where you resist the devil, he's going to flee. Come near to God. The effect is he will come near to you. Not in the sense of, and I liked how you said the the ability to come near to him isn't you figure out how to come near to me, or you figure out how to you get yourself right. Just come here. I am. You know, I am going to be near to you. Maybe you don't feel near to me right now, um, but if you come right, if you come to me in my word, you will feel uh, that I am near to you right now because the word will proclaim and, and give you that faith that believes that you know I have walked with God today and that we sing in the hymn. That's how I take it. Yeah, I, I think that's a beautiful way to 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 see the cause and not necessarily the cause and effect. If you do, then I will. But the the result. Okay, there you go. That, I give you the ability to come. The result is I am near. I I have given you the ability to come. And, and so fear not, I am near you. 
<laughs> I, I, I'm here with you. I'm not far away. Um, what a beautiful thing to be able to say. So uh, then moving on, cleanse your hands. Um, and, and then, and then all of a sudden we, we kind of start getting a shift. <laughs> so we have Back the cleanse your hands. You, you have you sinners. Okay. I, 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 I know I'm a sinner. I need, that's the idea of repentance. Um, purify your heart. How do, huh? How, how do I do that? Well, that that's a word and sacrament thing right there. Um, come to the word, come to the sacraments, receive the gifts. Um, now, he, then he says you double-minded people. Uh, that's the sinner, right? Sinner saint. Would, would you see that in there? Yes. Okay. And then, and then now it, you're going to have to walk me through this. Make sense of nine. <laughs> um, it, you, I, I'll, I'll tongue in cheek. You know what the Wells stands for? We enjoy looking serious. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, just the, uh, the call to repentance, again, it's not a, um, oh, you have to do these things first before God acts. It's just, uh, if he's talking to people who are not humble, as he started off in verse 4, he's, he's wrapping things up. Perhaps the, the climax is, has already been hit. Come near to God. Come here, wash your hands. And I love the picture of you're entering into the temple. Okay, you haven't done any sacrifices yet, but you have to wash your hands first. You have to wash yourself and... and before you even get in, which reminds us of the sacramental nature of the worship of God, where God says, here, do this first. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you clean so that you can come and then um, take care of your sins. So God is always the one doing the action first before you even enter. Um, so here, as God is encouraging God's people, um, it, it's a, I, I, I kind of look at it as, you know, it's a, it's a triangle the the main point has already been hit, but he's also going to talk about the, some of the things that he's already talked about, humbling yourself, humbling yourself at the end of it. That's my answer. Sure. What's your answer, Will? Yeah. You have an no, answer. I, 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 I do have an answer, and, and I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, it's recognizing that that I still carry a sinful nature with me, and and that sinful nature um, should make me lament. Um, I, I just I preached about it yesterday. Um, we we're, we're doing his final steps and we, we kind of, he gave the parable of the wicked tenants. And one of the things that I said in the sermon was just, I, I need a God that I can beat up. I, I need a God that I can spit on. And I need a God that I can, I can beat the thorns into his head. And I need a God that, that I can whip and, and a God that takes all of my anger and all of my aggression and all of my, all of what it what resides in my sinful nature. I need a God that takes it all. And, and then when he hangs upon the cross, says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And and how true that is. Um, that that I have a God who takes all of that anger and shame and and we fail to realize I would never do that to God, but but I need to. I have to. I I, I someone has to take it. And and so my anger has to be sp- to, to be poured out on Jesus. My, my, my aggression has to be poured out there uh, and he has to take it. And, and I need that um, so that I can hear those words of forgiveness spoken over me. Um, so lament because that's who I am. <laughs> Mourn because that's who I am. 
um, and then realize I am humbled because that's who I am <laughs> before God. Um, and what a, what a gracious thing to know that I'm still forgiven. That, that's, that's mine. So. Yeah, it is. The death of ego is something that is in our contemporary circles outside of contemporary, meaning the psychology of today, individuals who are flirting with uh, various psychedelic drugs and trying to legalize them, um, trying to the death of self. And it's always been there in the book of the Bible and in James of, of the things that bring you joy. Are they the things that truly bring you joy? Are the things that um, make you smile and laugh, are those the things that really bring you, make you smile and laugh? What What is it about you that is good? And what is it about you that is that needs to be, that needs to go away? And right. James is encouraging us to humble ourselves. It's, it's starting off that whole subject of, of humility and repentance. The big point, drawn, God has drawn near to you. And then at the end, um, and I guess at the end, a reminder, he's li- he will lift you up, not because you do all those things, but because this whole act of repentance, which he causes through the power of his word, uh, is is the whole the whole reason behind why he causes it in the first place, so that you would be lifted up, that you would be, um, uh, that Christ would be more and more in you, and and uh, that you would be more and more like Christ, that your life of sanctification would grow as you. Uh, grow closer to yourself and as you closer to him and as you put yourself to death. I agree. I agree. Um, so we, we only made it like kind of uh, halfway through on foreign We're we're about an hour into the show. So, I mean, do we want to want to plow through and finish and, and just make it to five or um... we're having some audio issues. Some streaming issues. Now you're back. So was I was I being weird before? Was that you? No, you were just. It, it was always coming in a little after you said it. Oh, but my I, lips were moving, but then the the audio came later. Yeah, yeah. I but it was. It all made it better when you did the crickets. All made it better when I did the what? When when you when you did the crickets. <laughs> Hmm. well we have we have a vote to keep going and and kind of finish up the uh, chapter so let's let's maybe plow forward and we'll we'll finish up the chapter sure verse 11 do not speak against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother is speaking against the law and judging the law. But if you judge the law, you are not the one who does the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge. He is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? You want me to keep going? No, let's um, just talk about I, I guess the only comment that I would have... In- yeah, yeah. I, I think the only comment that I have really on this one is is, is um, he's not saying don't use the law. He's not saying you can't use the law for um, for convicting of sin because the law convicts. But recognize when you use the law to convict of sin, you are you're also convicting yourself. You're you're not limiting it to that one person. So when when you speak and say to somebody that that um, 
there being an adulterer, um, uh, you know, and and you're saying, okay, you can't you can't be conducting this type of relationship with someone who's not your spouse. That law is still condemning you because you were in the aisle at the grocery store looking at a Sports Illustrated swimsuit page. And and you were still having those thoughts, and and so, the Lord, right? He he rightfully says, even the lust of eyes, even if you are thinking about you've 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 done it too. So I am condemned just as much as the other person is condemned. Maybe not on the same level, in the sense of we both did the same action, but in the same sense that we both transgressed the same law, right? It just in a different way. Um, now what James is saying is you. When people take that law and say, I'm better, I didn't do this, but you did this. He's like, well, now you're standing as judge over that law. And, and the only person who stands judge over that law is the one who's truly never sinned, who is Christ. <laughs> he, he, he is the only one that can say, you have done, I didn't. Um, I, I, I had not, I've never done that. I have always obeyed my parents. I have always worshiped the Lord. I have never not put him first. You have. <laughs> um, and, and so you gotta be, that's my only comment. You gotta be really careful as, as when we start using you language, especially in the preaching of the law, we use you language. We start making ourselves a judge. Um, and, and so when we preach the law, even as pastors and we're, we're using it in the field of service, it's understanding we, we are, we are a part of this. We have done these things. Now, it is true that maybe we are confronting this particular thing in your life, but we are all guilty. And it doesn't make it any easier, and it doesn't make it any less true. Yeah. Um, Jesus talks about this, which if James, and I firmly believe that James is one of the earlier uh, letters of the epistles, and he a lot of what he says mirrors what jesus says jesus also says judge not lest he be judged and of course that's always been used out of context saying you can't point out sin to me which is not what jesus is saying is where you're and james clarifies you're putting yourself in the law's place and you get to pick and choose what the law can condemn because when we do that we like to pick and choose things that doesn't that can't condemn us but can condemn others which is really the point of judging the in this context and also in jesus's context of you're picking and choosing what sins to pick on, and God doesn't do that. Um, so, um, and and the last comment I had on this section was to be reminded of what Paul said in Galatians, watch yourselves, as he, he does talk about confronting your brother, but watch yourselves so that you too, because you too can be, can be tempted. A reminder to us when we are confronting one another of their sin, why are we doing that? So that we would restore them, that they would be, uh, found in Christ and their sins are forgiven, not that we get to lord it over them and say, look at me. Well, and, and just as a comment, you know, um, the comment again, coming back to the Reformed, with Reform ranks sins, um, and that is a dangerous thing. And and I would say it's not just the Reformed. No. Um, Catholicism is notorious for ranking sins. Some things are venial sins. Some things are... are um, menial sin. Yeah, menial, venial. Yeah, venial, menial. Uh, so one is one that will affect you spiritually into into life eternal. One that won't, um, and and so you have to be careful on on either side. Um, and, and we do this even in the church. And, and and here's here's the here's what I'm going to say. And this is going this is going to ban this entire show from YouTube, and maybe Facebook. 
as a church, we say sexual sins are sins. All sexual sins are sins. But we have a tendency to say, well, if my child or if someone is homosexual, LGBTQ plus minus whatever the the whole thing is, mm-hmm. um, that's a worse sin than my son or daughter is at least like my son is sleeping around with every girl that he can he can get his hands on, but at least he's not homosexual. That that that's not a thing. <laughs> that that they're they're both wrong. <laughs> they're, they're, that's a they're that's that's a sin on both sides. That that is not oh well at least. That's like saying, well, you know what? They've 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 stripped their religious life of the sacraments, they've stripped the 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 blessings that God gives through such means, but at least they're going to church at whatever feel-good church down the road. That's like okay, so that's the consolation prize, like, like we're happy about it, like that that that's a that's the blessing. No, this is wrong. <laughs> I mean, yes, they're in contact with God's word. So is there still hope that they will come to the knowledge of the truth and and be found secure in it? Yes, I'm I'm not denying that. Um, somebody who is on both sides of sexual sins are are they still able to be forgiven and are they still given strength to fight through those things? Yes. They're all wrong. It's still a sin. Just as much as the sin of a person who comes to a church in a Lutheran church and sits there in the pew and says, I disagree with everything here, but I'm staying because of my grandma. That's wrong too. <laughs> that, that, that is a sin as well uh, of the third commandment. So uh, that we got to be careful. Uh, and so I'm saying that you know that that's really come down. We can't point fingers at one way or the other and say, well, the reform do this and the Catholics do that. Lutherans are just at fault too, in our own little ways. I mean, as we sit in our ivory towers. I know. As pastors, we often talk about that as we're, we're trying to encourage one another in our sermon uh, preaching, not just to. And as we took our homiletics class, don't just pick on the pet sins call them the easy ones that you can hit out of the park but go for the the sins that are there in the text and uh let the chips fall where and they may call people out by name <laughs> not that's call what, people out by name that's just write them on the pulpit that's what it is just write their names out on the pulpit <laughs> and then remember pastors are exempt from all of it <laughs> yeah. that's not true that's not true at all <laughs> All right, verse 13. Let's get to verse 13 then. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into that this or that city, spend a year there, do business, and make profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Indeed, it is a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. Instead, it is better for you to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live, and we will do this or that. But right now you are boasting in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for the one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, this is a sin. So you have one of the most beautiful um, kind of encouragements to to how do we plan for the future 
and 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 this is a it's a it's um and trying to walk a really fine road because so easily you can you could use this first to say then what's the point of a savings account what's the point of of insurance what's the point of planning for the future what's the point of having a church with a 5 or 10 year plan the reality of the situation is is where's the heart it, it comes back to that right where if your heart is focused on i am the arbiter of my future i'm the one that can dictate how it will go and what will happen and and i am the one that can control all aspects yeah this is this is speaking to you but if you're the person that says you know god has given me great wisdom and he's given me great gifts and and I am trying to do the best with what God has given to, to sustain what God has placed into my care. This is not talking to you. This this part is not not referencing to you specifically. Does that that make sense? Yeah, I know this has often been used to say you can't buy life insurance or invest in the stock market and all that because you're supposed to uh, be reliant on God to take care of you every day. You can't think about the future. And I, the uh, what the sin, the sin of pride is that your plans are going to come true because you make those plans. That's that's what he's hitting at, because you are so smart, um, because you are thinking of this life only and not the life to come. That's what he's. That's the the spirit uh, at, that's inside of each one of us. That sinful nature of us, where you know I'm pretty smart. I know how to figure things out. And um, everybody else around me is still living. F- paycheck to paycheck but i've got all my debts paid and i got a plan for the future I, i'm set and there's no no thought of god behind it because you don't know what's going to happen or what uh so for the individual to plan for the future is i don't think that's a, a wrong thing lord willing is always what needs to be inserted into those plans yeah, and and I think we need to comment just on that idea as well. Um, just to to take a step back and to say, sometimes we get it in our head that um, I don't want to say that we we get it in our head that that we're like pieces on a chessboard, and, and that God is playing this cosmic game, and that He has all the thoughts planned out, you know, and I'm gonna move them here and I'm going to move them here, and I'm going to do this here, and, and that we're just going through the paces. And, and that when we talk about the will of God, that, that's not what we are referencing. We're not referencing that somehow there is um, this grand orchestrated thing that's going on. The, the will of God ultimately, as you said earlier in the show, is that we come to know him and that we are brought into heaven to be with him, and that, that we spend our life knowing the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's his will. And so throughout life, as we make our poor choices, he will direct us to the cross. He, he will place things in our way that will direct us back to his cross, to his grace, to his word, to what he has done, despite the plans that we have made. Um, and one of the great things about it, too, is if you go to Ephesians chapter 2 and you go to verse 10, what does the Lord say? He, he says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has placed in advance for us to walk in. It's not like I'm planning for it. I just, it's like I, I'm sprung, it's sprung on me. He's <laughs> like, oh, you're heading that way. I got a perfect opportunity. <laughs> and, and he places it there. Um, and so we got to be really careful when we say, 
uh, you know, the will of God, I, and I'm going to follow this plan that God has laid out for me. Well, his plan is that you know Jesus. That that's his plan, and, and then he he live. Yeah. Now, does he know what's going to happen? Yes. But as I always say, God's God's knowledge, his foreknowledge, is not causative. So just because God knows, didn't mean he caused it to happen. I think we often misapply Psalm 139, where it says, "All my days." were written in your book before one of them came to be. We think that all my days, meaning everything contained in them. But that whole section is talking about the life of the individual. How long are we going to be here on this earth? Yes, we can say God knows what those days are, but what happens inside of them um, is not where God says, well, this has to happen, and then this happens. Oh, Dave Rudot sinned today, and now um, now his whole plan for that that I ordained from b- before the creation of the world, now it's all out the window. Um, I, I like how James talks about that we would live in them and how you were talking about how God has uh, is adaptive to what's going on in our lives, giving us opportunities to give him praise, to proclaim his name, but not always saying it has to be this way. Otherwise, it's not, you're, you, you're messing up the plan, Rudan. Uh, you messed. Well, yeah, you know, I had all I had this all these great things, and then you took the call to Shirley, Wisconsin, and now boom! Now you're now I don't know what to do. Yeah, I had all these great adventures for you, and then you got onto a podcast with Pastor Harley. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but yeah, it was better if it was audio, and you brought him in kicking and streaming, uh, and now. <laughs> but but I think it also bears to be said that 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 all of this gets thrown out of the what we just said is true on how our Lord interacts with us. It is not the same way on how Christ lived. Christ, his entire existence, his entire ministry on earth was planned out. Um, But it is something only God can do. God orchestrated the events. God put himself exactly where those events would take place uh, in front of the people who would respond in the ways that would cause things to happen. Um, you think of the of Jesus going to the woman. He, ha- he says, I have to go through Samaria so that he could stop at the well. I have to. Oh, wait a second. We can go around. He could. I have to. I have to confront them. Um, you know, he 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 stops at the, the the blind beggar. I have to, I have to be here for him. Zacchaeus, um, I must he goes. Go to your house today. Yeah, I I must do these things. Um, but God, Jesus is the only one as God who can do that. Yeah, it there does even with all of that, there does seem to be some randomness in his ministry, doesn't it? It just seems like he does. He is like us in every way where it, 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 he doesn't go and do things exactly the way that we would do them if we were in his position. So like, for example, his, his uh, brothers say, or brothers or relatives say, go to Jerusalem during the feast. You should make yourself known. And he's like, no, it's not my time. And then he comes in in the middle of the week and he comes in and does something. So it, it has the appearance of being randomness, but I wonder if that's just for our sake so that we would see that, in our lives, when it seems like it's random, it doesn't seem like it's going the way that rationally that we would go, that we would realize that God has given us things to do in this life. God has put something in front of us. That's what we should be doing, not, not you know, in our vocation, rather than um, I have this grand plan for Dave Rudat, and he's got to follow that plan. Well, and I think that's where it comes in. I mean, 
you you are you're dealing with the will of God and you're dealing with his ultimate plan and the ultimate plan is that we'd be found in Christ that's that's it his plan is here's Christ for you mm-hmm. now when we deal with the will of God what is his will his will is for his people to live his will is for his people to have the gifts that he has promised them his will is that they would they would come to know him even more and rely on him and even more now how does that happen that happens in life that happens in life as he as he works behind the scenes to produce the good and and not not good as in the sense of everything i feel is good but the good which is ultimately you're with me and i've held you secure but but here's the, the the flip side of that is is if we start thinking that that the lord is just he orchestrates all of this stuff then you start getting into the idea of well he must have orchestrated this sickness or he orchestrated this death or he orchestrated this hardship and and he doesn't orchestrate those things he does say they are going to come because you live in a sinful world and you're sinful people and and these things are going to happen because this is the wage of sin this is what its cost is but through it all, I am still preserving. Through it all, I'm still working. Through it all, I'm still there. Through it all, um, this is not all there is. And and I know you want me to step up and you want me to be more involved. But you have to realize I am involved in every way you need me to be. And that's the beauty of it, right? It is. That, that, yeah. that the like, beauty is I'm involved in every way you need me to be. Yeah. Um. I, I think we the there's always that temptation that God is only active in my life when it's for the big things or for when it's the the things that where it seems like there's a huge amount of impact and we forget the impact we have on what God is the little vocational callings that we have oh I'm I'm ministering to this individual today and I could be doing a broad, a, a podcast with Will Harley about something and broadcasting know, right? through all of those different but no, today I'm going to be working on this. Or today, next two weeks, we're going to be working on sermons for Holy Week. But we really could be doing so much more in just that the the wrestling of our conscience to say that we have to be doing something great in order to matter. Where James is reminding us, um, he's here, live. Uh, he has given us. Um, he is active in your everyday life. Uh, it is the Lord's will that you live, that you're awake, and that you're alive today. And he's going to give you opportunities to serve him in in that freedom. Here, uh, child of God, here's this opportunity. Here's that opportunity. Both can be done to his glory, even if it seems like one is more impactful than the other. Well, and and I guess you know the the reality is who's to say what's impactful? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I mean the the nurse who who is just making her rounds and yet has a smile on her face because she can change the bedpan or or uh, give a, a refilled thing of water to the person that she's there. That's impactful. Um, you know, uh, it, it's impactful when when the child comes running to um, their mom and has a dirty diaper and doesn't know what to do about it. And so the mom just, uh, fine, I'm changing the diaper. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, but that's impactful to the child, right? Um, there are these little things in life that that we don't know how we have impacted someone else because we're not God. We, we don't see the grand picture. Um, we, don't, we don't see everything that, that he has placed in us and for us to work in and to move around in. And so just to be uh, amazed 
at at how um, through what our sin has done, through what it has destroyed, God is still in putting Himself in here and saying, "I'm I'm not letting this go. I'm I'm, I'm just not going to let it go. Um, by hook or by crook, I'm going to let you know I'm here." And and um, what does that say for those per, for the person who who is an un, uh, an unbeliever and on their deathbed can look back and say, "But look at all the wonderful things I had in life, and all of that was the Lord screaming, 'I'm I'm I'm here.'" <laughs> every every good moment. Yeah, you're a mist. Those are humbling words, but then it is also an empowering word. So just saying, don't try to be more than what you are in that position that you're in. So you're yep. saying, I'm going to be the most influential pastor since Martin Luther. No, you're a mist. What matters is Christ. What matters is the, the people that he has placed in your life right now. As we are as I'm doing this podcast, as we are streaming this podcast, it's a good reminder to us, too, not to get our heads so big. I know we joke about it every time, about our, getting our heads big with four stars and five stars. And please don't give me five stars because my head is going to explode, that kind of joke, those kinds of jokes. But James is encouraging us. Who are we? We are missed. But we're a miss that God wants to be involved with. And we're a miss yeah. that God blesses as he gives us the vocations that we have. And and um, we are his hands and his heart. And to the people that are around us, the words that we speak, the things that we do for them, these are awesome things that God, this, God is still here. I know I think, who, who does that? Unitarian? No, the Unitarians say he's still speaking. We would say he's still here. Uh, he's here every time we have the Lord's Supper, obviously, and we're, he's here when his word is spoken, when two or three are together, gathered together. And he's also here as God, his people uh, fulfill their callings in Christ in faith. Yep. You are the mask of Christ. I got nothing else for four. All right. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well then we have to we have to have some sort of closing closing thought. It doesn't seem closing. Go ahead. You want it? You want to take it? You can take it. If you got something. I uh you lost it, didn't you? I did. I must was... have been a lie. <laughs> so it must have been what? Must have been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> must have been a lie. <laughs> now, my closing thought is is um, how awesome to be brought to the to the foot of the cross next week, and and to be humbled there, um, as as you see during this whole entire holy week. Um, you are in the Lord's eyes as he gathers with his disciples, with you around the table to give his body and blood and bread and wine. You are going to be there in the crowd to cry crucify. You are going to be the ones uh, placing the whip upon his back. You are going to be the ones spitting and driving and jeering and, and insulting and say, well, you saved others, save yourself. And you are going to be the one he humbles when he, he says those words, father, forgive them uh, for they don't know what they're doing. And you will be the recipient of when he says it is finished. And then on Sunday morning, um, you will also be the recipient to walk free from the tomb with him and hear the words, peace be with you. Thanks for diving in with us and on looking at James chapter four. We're going to take a couple of weeks off and uh, do everything that Will said about being, going to the cross, going to the empty tomb to see uh, our Savior who, who did that for us. And we'll be back.
in April, and we'll finish off the book of James. We'll, then we'll talk about uh, AI, and we'll talk about have some more topics. So it'll be less of a Bible class and more of topics as we go into the summer. Thanks again for, for watching, for listening. Uh, write a review if you'd like. Uh, that encourages us and it encourages the algorithm to point this content to others. Uh, reach out to us. This is meant to be a beginning of a conversation and not the end. And and talk to us because we really want to talk about real life, living faith, Christ for us and for you.